0: Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from the Horsham Church of Christ. For more information, please visit our website at www.horsham.org.au Morning. Great to see people in the room. Great to see you online too. Uh, Welcome everyone. Great to have you amongst us. Uh, this morning. Uh, 2021 and some of 2020 has come with us by the looks of it too. Uh, So we just recognise that, still living with the impact of 2020 a little bit and for some of us I'm mindful that that brings um, some levels of apprehension or uncertainty, Uh, not sure what this year might hold and maybe trying to establish some plans and think about plans and things we'd like to do. Uh, this year but also keeping in the back of the mind that oh we might have to change that if we plan that too Um, has anyone tried to plan maybe for about june has anyone thought about june yet no all right Has anyone thought about holidays someone's thought about holidays someone's thought about june yeah so but it's also well if i plan for that is it going to look like how i imagined it to be so i am jumping straight in I want to jump straight in uh, because and I want to introduce it in several ways I suppose just being mindful that look maybe you're here in your start of the new year maybe you're someone of faith maybe you've been a person of faith for a long period of time or maybe you're new to faith maybe you're exploring this maybe your faith you're excited and passionate about following Jesus you're excited and passionate about your relationship with Jesus and what that looks like in relationship with your with the father as well maybe your faith has stagnated a little bit you know it's got a little bit tired maybe you feel like like you've been doing the same things and it's looked the same maybe you feel like you're not getting reward for effort Uh, maybe you feel like you've kind of lost that you know the first love if you like that sense of energy about following Jesus and what it was to worship him or maybe you've even thought about uh, what it's you've lost this sense of meaning about what the kingdom or even following Jesus looks like how that's expressed you know we we go about life ordinary everyday life and well what does it actually mean to follow jesus how does my life differ from their life what's this mean you know i read the bible or maybe i don't um how do we how do we awaken that how do we stir that again maybe you're even disconnected and uncertain about the church maybe you're watching online because it's just easier to watch it online Uh, maybe you're even sitting here and you're going you know what i'm not sure about this anymore uh so i say all this um as well as recognising some of us will be exploring who Jesus is. You're new to faith, new to the church. Say all that to recognise a wide diversity of responses, not only to the new year, not only to COVID, but also to Jesus. Because we, we have this diversity of expressions and this diversity of understanding. But regardless of your situation, regardless of where you might be sitting at the moment, we want to invite you in 2021 to discover what it looks like to behold, to belong and to believe so that we might follow Jesus. Ta-da! You already saw that though, didn't you? Um, I can tell the enthusiasm's already just bubbling over in the house. Um, I'm not sure what's happening for you online at home. Uh, so, but we want to we stir this again, what it looks like to follow Jesus in the hope that, and the belief that we're transforming our community in his name. So we're going to spend this year walking through the Gospel of Mark most weeks and there'll be some interludes and some breaks for different causes and different focuses but we do want to spend the year looking through the gospel of mark so what might that look like for you to participate well Firstly, our gatherings. They're really important times. We really value these times. They're important expressions of life and of community together. They're important to remind ourselves that we are not alone. We want to set this time up to encourage, to inspire, to remind, to empower, and then to release as we're sent out again. If Sunday gathering is it, we're probably not following Jesus. We're probably making ourselves feel better about the idea that we're following Jesus. That might be a hard, harsh start to the year. Just warming you up. Um, I want to encourage us this year, and maybe you're already really passionate about reading your scripture. Maybe you're not sure where to start. Read the scriptures. Start with the Gospel of Mark, and you'll say to me, "I'm not a reader." Do you know how much audio resources there are now? If you don't know how to find it, ask someone younger than you. I can find you an audio Bible even. And I'm not younger necessarily anymore. But I would encourage us, um, read or listen to Scripture. Read and listen to Scripture. If you're looking for some way to mix it up. And I encourage for the Gospel of Mark, maybe take some time in one or two sittings. Just read through it. It takes me about an hour, hour and a half to read through Mark. Maybe two hours if I stop every now and then and just sit in it for a bit. I'm, some would call me a quick reader I'm not as quick as others I'm not as slow as others but it's not about comparison I'm just highlighting that's for me all right so if you take three hours to read it in two one and a half hour settings well done um, and and I'd add to that memorize some scripture As you go through each chapter of Mark, what's a verse that stands out that really needs to sit in your spirit that you need to remember? It might be through a difficult circumstance or it might be that you need encouragement or it might be that you want to remember that. What's that verse that you're going to remember? What's that statement you're going to remember so that you can draw it back to yourself so that you can feed and nourish yourself throughout the year? Uh, Memorise passages of scripture or at least... At least begin by recognizing where that might be coming from, where you can go back and find it again. Have a highlighter. Use the use the iPad, use the iPhone, the Android devices. Highlight verses. Write notes alongside the verses. Um, get a separate notebook and just write it. Title it the Gospel of Mark and write freehand how you normally do. And what are your questions in that? What are your struggles with God in that? What are your prayers in that? What are you excited about? What are you encouraged about? What are you challenged, convicted about? read scripture that's what it is to read scripture it's to listen and to hear sometimes we talk about hearing you're hearing me now to listen is to do something with it do you understand the difference the distinction you at home do you understand the distinction you can hear me but to listen is something different And we're going to engage um, and invite into our life groups. Our life groups have been sending out a framework, and it just doesn't matter. You can, if you're meeting weekly, if you're meeting monthly, if you're meeting fortnightly, you can step in and out of this. Encourage your life groups to read this. Uh, We really believe that God wants to stir and awaken uh, and really simplify, strip back. We've been stripped back. Let's, we've been stripped back and this year we want to stay really simply in learning again what it means to follow Jesus. And we do that best when we do that with others. If you're not yet connected to a life group, you can go to horsham.org.au forward slash lifegroups, check out what life groups are available, send an email to the church, and we'd love to get you connected as well. You keeping up? Oh, good, 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 good. Um, it's just the warm-up act. Um, finally, uh, the Bible Project is a great resource. If you're looking for a resource, if you're not sure, or if you're looking for another explanation, the Bible Project and this poster. Now, you can bring this to church every Sunday and colour in a little bit each week if you like. If that's how you operate, if that's how your brain works with colour in or something to distract you while you're listening and engaging, you know, grab the poster or take it home and just stick it up somewhere so you can engage at different points throughout the year this is a great kind of resource to give you the big picture if you like Uh, really simple so there's about a 100 out on the table there if you're watching at home and you're not sure um, there's the website bibleproject.com forward slash explore forward slash video forward slash mark if you have trouble with that come into the office we can get you one or there's printed copies as well with all that in mind Here's an overview. Are you, well, are you ready to go then? All right. I'm going to pray now and then we're going to jump in a bit deeper. So Father, we want to thank you for the freedom that we have. We want to thank you for, we want to acknowledge the freedom that we have. Mindful that there are so many throughout this world that don't have the same freedom. Um, Father, forgive us for we've, we've left at times your word to be a dusty book on the shelf or we've not allowed it to penetrate our hearts when we've heard it and listened to it. When we just can kind of come and just have one person tell us something and do nothing with it. We, we need to be awakened and stirred. We need the Holy Spirit to fall upon us again and awaken us with a passion because as safe as we are in this country, Father, we, we, uh, we don't honour you in every way, in every expression. And my prayer, our prayer, my hope is that we might again honour you in every expression that we have. Uh, May we seek you, know you, follow you, encounter you, uh, be stirred by you, so that as we're stirred by you, as we draw closer to you, as we follow Jesus, other people around us, Father, will be passionate and want to know, hey, what's happening there that I want to be a part of? We thank you and praise you for your word. May it stir within us as we seek to follow Jesus in all of our ways. Amen.
1: The Gospel According to Mark. It's one of the first accounts of the life of Jesus, and our earliest historical traditions link this book to a Christian scribe named Mark, or John Mark. He was a co-worker with Paul and a close partner with Peter. And in fact, an ancient church historian named Papias, he recalls that Mark had collected all of the eyewitness accounts and memories of Peter and then shaped them into this account. But Mark didn't just randomly throw the pieces together. He's carefully designed this story of Jesus. In the first line of the book, Mark makes this claim about Jesus. It's the beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. Now, what's interesting is that this is the only time Mark is going to tell you what he thinks. For the rest of the book, he's going to influence you by simply putting Jesus' actions and words in front of you and showing you how other people react to him. Now, Mark's designed the story of Jesus as a drama with three acts. The first one set in Galilee. The third one is set in Jerusalem. And the second act shows Jesus on the way from one place to the other. And each of the Acts focuses on a repeated theme. So in Act 1, everybody's blown away by Jesus, and they're wondering, who is this Jesus? In Act 2, it's the disciples who are struggling to understand what it means for Jesus to be the Messiah. And then in Act 3, we watch the surprising paradox of how Jesus becomes the Messianic King. Let's just dive in, and you'll see how it unfolds. After the opening line, Mark begins with a quotation from the ancient prophets Isaiah and Malachi, who said that God would send a messenger to Israel to prepare them for when God would show up himself to rescue his people and become their king. And Mark introduces John the Baptist as that messenger, and then right when you expect God to show up personally, Mark introduces Jesus. And as he comes onto the scene, the heavens open, God's spirit descends on Jesus, and God says, you are my beloved son. After this, Mark places in front of us a summary of Jesus' core message. He went about Galilee, announcing the good news that God's kingdom has come near. Jesus is carrying forward the story from the Old Testament scriptures about God's rescue operation for his world. Through Jesus, God is restoring his reign over the world by confronting and defeating evil and its hold on people's lives, and then by inviting them to live under his reign by following Jesus. From here, Mark's given us a big block of stories showing us Jesus' power as he brings God's kingdom. He goes about healing people whose bodies are sick or broken or under the oppression of dark spiritual powers. And Jesus even does something that for Jewish people, only God has the right to do. He forgives people's sins. And Jesus' actions here produce lots of different responses. So some people follow him and become his disciples. Other people don't know what to think, and still others reject him completely, especially Israel's leaders who accuse him of blaspheming God and being empowered by evil. But Jesus isn't surprised by these responses. In fact, he draws attention to it. In chapter 4, Mark has collected many of Jesus' parables about the hidden, mysterious nature of God's kingdom. And Jesus says that his message is like seed falling on different types of soil. Some are receptive, some are not. Or it's like a mustard seed that's very tiny, it seems insignificant, but then it grows huge and surprises everyone. Jesus' point is that he really is the Messiah, bringing God's kingdom, but it doesn't look like what anybody expected. And this growing confusion about Jesus among the crowds is connected to a key idea, Mark emphasizes at the end of Act 1, that even among Jesus' disciples, there's confusion. Even they are struggling to grasp who Jesus really is, and that brings us to Act 2. It begins with a crucial conversation. Jesus takes the disciples aside and he asks, Who do you all say that I am? And Peter speaks up, saying, You're the Messiah. But it becomes clear that for Peter, this means that Jesus is a victorious military king from the line of David who will rescue Israel from the Romans. But for Jesus to be the Messiah means that he's the suffering servant king of Isaiah 53, who will bring God's rule by giving up his life in Jerusalem. And the disciples, they don't get it. They think following King Jesus is going to mean fame and status and importance, and Jesus makes it clear that following him is actually like dying, like carrying your own cross. It means rejecting violence and pride and selfishness and giving one's life out for others in acts of service and love. He has the same conversation with them two more times and it all culminates in Jesus' important statement that the Son of Man did not come to be served but to become a servant and give his life as a ransom for many. The disciples still don't get it. They respond in confusion and fear. And so here in Act 2, Mark has placed another key story that echoes the book's introduction. Jesus takes three of his disciples up to a mountain and he's suddenly transformed. He's radiating with light and glory and a cloud envelops them. Now, this is just like the glory of the God of Israel that showed up long ago on Mount Sinai. And then the two prophets who stood in God's presence on Mount Sinai, Moses and Elijah, they appear next to Jesus as God announces again, This is my beloved son. Now, by placing this story in the middle of all these conversations in Act 2, Mark is making an astounding claim that Jesus, God's son, is the physical embodiment of God's own glory. And in Jesus, the glorious God of Israel is going to become king by suffering and dying for the sins of his own people. It's a puzzling claim that confuses and scares the disciples as they leave the mountain. Which brings us to Act 3. Jesus makes a very public royal entry into Jerusalem for Passover. People are hailing him as the Messiah. Then he enters into the temple courtyard and he asserts his royal authority by running out the thieves and crooks and stopping the sacrificial system. Then this kicks off a whole week of Jesus debating and confronting the leaders of Israel, condemning their hypocrisy. And so they set in motion a plan to have him killed. And Jesus warns his disciples, predicting that Jerusalem and its temple will be destroyed within a generation and his disciples will be persecuted just like him until he returns one day to bring God's kingdom fully over the world. And it all leads up to the final night. Jesus has his last Passover meal with the disciples, a symbolic meal that told the story of Israel's liberation from slavery through the death of the Passover lamb. And Jesus takes these symbols and he gives them new meaning. They point to the liberation from sin and death that will happen through the death of the suffering servant Messiah. From here, the story rushes forward to Jesus' arrest, his trial before Israel's priests and the Roman governor Pilate, all resulting in Jesus' crucifixion. And it culminates in a key scene that matches the important scenes from Acts 1 and 2, except this time it's darkness that descends, not a cloud. And instead of the divine voice from heaven, it's Jesus' voice crying out before he dies. And then most surprising is that it's a Roman soldier who sees Jesus die, who grasps and then announces who Jesus is. This man was the Son of God. He's the first person in the story to recognize the story's shocking claim about Jesus' identity, that it's the crucified Son of God who's the Messiah, Jesus of Nazareth, who died for his friends and for his enemies. After this, Jesus' body is placed in a tomb and on the first day of the new week, two women from his disciples come to the tomb and they discover that the tomb is empty, the stones rolled away. And an angelic man informs them that Jesus isn't here, that he's risen from the dead. And so he orders them to go and tell this good news to the other disciples that Jesus is alive, that he'll meet them back up in Galilee. And the women, they're freaked out. Mark says that they fled from the tomb in terror telling no one for they were afraid. And that's how the book ends with Jesus' disciples showing the same kind of fear and confusion that concluded Acts 2 and 1. Now if you look in your Bible you'll see that the Gospel of Mark has more to its ending where Jesus appears, he speaks to his disciples but there's also a note there telling you that that ending is not part of the original book that it's only found in later less reliable manuscripts. Now it's possible that the original ending got lost or that Mark actually never finished writing his account but it's more likely that this abrupt ending is intentional to make a point. The entire story has focused on the shocking claim that puzzled Jesus' disciples from beginning to end. That it's the suffering, crucified and risen Jesus Who is the Messiah, the Son of God? That God's love and upside-down kingdom were revealed as Jesus died for the sins of the world. And so this story ends without closure and it forces you, the reader, to grapple with this very strange and scandalous claim about Jesus. And are you going to run away like the women? Or are you going to recognize Jesus as your king and go and tell the good news? And only you can answer that question. And that's what the Gospel of Mark is all about got it
0: (coughs) and we're going to spend the year breaking it down we're going to spend the year inviting you to consider inviting all of us to consider what i do regardless of where you've come from as you as you heard those doubted, those unsure, the, some got up and followed, some kept asking questions and some, the religious people incidentally, the, the people who have been around the church for a long time said this can't really be the son of God. This invitation, is Jesus your king? Is he the one that you'll follow? That will be an invitation that you will hear time and time and time again. And we want to invite you as you read scripture and as we do it on Sunday, we might have you might have a you version or you bring your own Bible, your own paper Bible, um, and again highlight um, write questions or mark things, however you like to do things. Um, we want to invite you into that over the course of the year. Uh, so with that in mind, we're going to uh, read today Mark chapter 1 verses 1 to 11. If you've got U you version open or your Bible, Mark chapter 1 verses 1 to 11.
2: Mark chapter 1 verses 1 to 11. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. John appeared baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptised by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son, with you I am well pleased. Jared made
0: a comment about um, PowerPoint. A little while ago, and it's part of the reason we've got the Bible Project, we've produced the posters and even the videos uh, for the readings that we'll do over January a little bit, just to engage people a little bit differently, to try and engage you and your families as well. Uh, it's, again, I, it's, I'm not an expert we're not experts, we're travellers along the way uh, maybe we've done some extra study but there's study that's all available to you so many resources that you have access to if you want to go deeper with a particular word or particular thought, particular idea um, and again, the Spirit of God revealing something so um, this is, Mark isn't interested what you notice first up is that Mark doesn't tell a birth story did you notice that? He just jumps straight in. Why? Birth isn't that special to Mark. Everyone gets born. He's more interested in the life, ministry, and proclamation of Jesus. So he just jumps straight in. That's the whole point of the Gospel of Mark. Who is Jesus and the proclamation of the kingdom? So as you read through this, um, the beginning of the good news about Jesus, where have you heard those words before? The beginning. Genesis. Matthew, exactly right. All right. Do you think, I, I suspect people read that, and we can easily read through this and we go, oh, the beginning of the good news. People here, reading Mark, some 70 years, 70 to 90 years after um, Jesus has resurrected. And remember that he, Mark, gathers uh, the eyewitness accounts from Peter and, and Paul, a little bit of Paul. Paul, all three quarters of the New Testament, Paul wrote, and the Gospels actually came after what Paul wrote to the church. Okay? So, and Mark draws it right back, connects it with the beginning of the story of creation. You don't think he's already stirring the pot? He most definitely is. Anyone who's listening and reading some 70, 60 years after the resurrection of Jesus, they're going, oh, hang on a minute, you can't join those dots. Especially if you're a religious leader in a church. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Hang on. This is just already too far outside. He then grabs Messiah, uh Messiah, Isaiah. Um and which is actually a joining of Malachi and a word out of Isaiah. The first sentence here is out of Malachi and then out of Isaiah. I don't really know why he grabs that, but what he's doing, why he says the words of Isaiah and then joins two different prophets, he's actually connecting the prophets together as one voice and bringing them into this current environment. This is already astonishing news. He's already stirring the pot within the first three verses. And maybe your pot isn't stirred yet. Stay with me. Stay with me. It'll get stirred. Here we read about the nature of John. Now, you've got to ask, why does the Gospel of Mark find it so important to talk about John's outfit? Have you ever noticed that? Have you ever got to that verse and go, if this message is about John, what is uh, about Jesus, why do we care what John is wearing? You ever thought about that? See, these are questions that you can ask. When the gospel writers, actually when any scripture writers, put these little details in here, it's for a reason. It's not accidental. They're intentional. They're inviting you to consider something more. And even... Like, my only disappointment about that video of Damien, Damien reading Mark chapter 1, that he wasn't dressed in camel hair. Um, <laughs> or, or eating locusts, correct. Um, this, this is uh, Ezekiel language. If you go back and read Ezekiel, and again, this isn't stuff that I've made up or this isn't stuff I've even thought of myself. This is because I've done some reading. Um... So this is Ezekiel language, Ezekiel the prophet, Ezekiel the one who brought a warning to the people of Jerusalem about their behaviour, about their lifestyle, about the choices that they were making. So hang on, this is a group of people, the people who had been waiting for the Messiah to come who hadn't heard from a prophet for 400 years. And all of a sudden there is this random guy standing out in the middle of the wilderness, which we'll get to in a minute, Dressed in camel hair, wearing a leather belt, eating locusts and honey. We haven't heard from a prophet for 400 years, and now there's a nut job. And some people consider, and I say that because that's how some people considered him. He was crazy. And Jesus makes reference to it in other gospels. You thought John was off with the fairies, and now you're criticizing me for behaving like this. So here's, we haven't heard people of israel haven't heard from a prophet for 400 years and here's john declaring himself to be the messenger as ezekiel was the messenger right, nothing in scripture happens accidentally this is a big picture story a powerful big picture story and then consider where he is John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him confessing the sins they were baptised by him in the where? Jordan River wilderness Jordan heard this before? where have we heard this before? children of Israel this is an Exodus story ladies and gentlemen Come on, work with me. I'm trying to excite you. This is a story out of slavery into freedom. Yeah, this is a story out of death into a promised land. It's been reframed been repurposed but the story is still the same the invitation is still the same wherever you sit in this story of jesus from slavery and condemnation from shame and guilt and fear and oppression into freedom life new land relationship This is a gift that we see, a shift from law and sacrifice into relationship and grace. Strips away performance, law, measurement, sacrifice, keeping up, comparison. See, maybe this is where you sit today. Maybe you're sitting in the wilderness and maybe you're in the wilderness with God, with faith, with the church. Maybe you're sitting in this kind of no man's land, no purpose, no sense of hope, no sense of certainty. But this is where the most beautiful things can happen. This is where the most beautiful things can happen. It's rarely comfortable. And certainly next week as we explore Jesus going into the wilderness, we'll discover that. It's really comfortable. And we can spend a lot of time wandering in the wilderness. We can spend a lot of time asking why we're in the wilderness and wondering why God has led us here or even if God exists because we are in the wilderness. And yet the wilderness reveals the truth of our heart. The wilderness reveals what we will give our greater attention to. And it's out of the wilderness that we can move through the waters of baptism, move, be reminded for some of us the waters of baptism, the power of baptism, the power of crossing the river, being cleansed in the waters. And we're reminded of something new and deep and rich. And this is what makes the invitation to repentance so powerful. See, we live in a fragile world where our politics, where our empires, where our systems, where our pride, where the pursuit of happiness, where our believing what God should look like, it's not working. It hasn't worked. Even in the overview, we heard a group of people understood this is what we think Jesus should look like. This is what we think Jesus should do. This is how we think it should be happening. This is what we think the church should look like. And Jesus goes, hey, 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 hey. Even John was doing that before he points to Jesus as the prophet. See, John's invitation remains the same. Whatever your wilderness is, whatever the wilderness you are in, repent and be baptised and so begin to discover what it means to follow the one who comes after him, to follow Jesus. Repentance is, we've talked about repentance and maybe you've heard the word, it's about a turning around, an about face. I've also heard it uh, about alignment, about being realigned um, with Jesus because we might be out one degree but by the time we get to our destination, that's a bigger separation. Yeah. Um, so it's about, a, a, I like the image of alignment. So whether you see it as an alignment or a turning around or an about face but it's more than changing behaviour. Uh, it's about, it has to come with an alignment of God's heart because it's really difficult to change our behaviour if we don't know the why to our to what, how we want to live or what the way we want to live. When we spend our time and have conversations regularly, oh, I don't want to do this anymore, I don't want to live like this anymore, and it's because we get so deep in our own heads, we get so deep in the shame that we've carried for so long that we... We've, we stay in this sense of oppression and slavery and all the things that have happened to us in the past rather than trying to step through and acknowledging that we can now live under the grace and the glory and the wonder of who Jesus is. And rather than surrendering to him, we, we fight with our own thoughts. We should, we should not, we should have, we should have, we couldn't have. That sounded confusing, didn't it? Because that's what it's like, isn't it? when we wrestle on our own spirits rather than recognising that wrestle and then confessing it into the glory and the freedom of Christ. And that's what I wanted to highlight. So it's really easy to talk about repentance because we like the idea of about-face, a changing of behaviour, uh, a changing of a mindset. Uh, let me, I'll come back to that in a sec. This is how Luke records uh, the repentance. John said to the crowds coming out to be baptised by him, You brood of vipers. Sorry, this is Luke chapter three. Who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? I mean, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. What should we do then? The crowd asked. Now here, this is three different um, invitations. Firstly, to the crowd. John answered, anyone who has two shirts should share with the one who has none and anyone who has food should do the same. All right, repentance, fruit, Do something out of your response to Jesus. Even tax collectors came to be baptised. Teacher, they asked, what should we do? Don't collect any more than you're required to, he told them. Interestingly, he doesn't say, stop being a tax collector. He says, be a tax collector honestly. And then to the soldiers... And what should we do? Don't extort money and don't accuse people falsely. Be content with your pay. Someone highlighted in a recent uh, conversation that I had that all of these have economic implications. Did you notice that? Share what you have, don't rip people off, be content. If you're looking for a way to follow Jesus that might not be a bad start (laughs) and so often we talk about repentance and we talk about this moving away or aligning or about face and we need to ask in what ways are we out of step with God in what way is my heart misaligned is what in what way are my thoughts misaligned and it's a it's a um, it occurred to me that we can easily go through repentance and miss this part because again repentance I can live in my own head but here these people are confessing their sins now we're not told how they're done now maybe they go to John and before he baptises them they say you know I've been extorting money I've been ripping people off I've been greedy I've been prideful I've been arrogant I I, I don't know I've been sexually dishonest I've been I I don't know what people were confessing here but We've lost some of this, I think, in the church, do you think? Do you think? Hmm. Yeah, I think we have. <laughs> the quietness kind of gives us away a little bit. Maybe you're at home, maybe you weren't so quiet. I don't know. What would it look like if in our life groups we sat and we as we read through this text and instead of struggling in our own heads and our own lives and our own spirits and feeling like failures we actually went to our life groups or our friendship groups or and we said i need to try i need to know that i can trust you now this is the problem we've been disappointed and we've been hurt and people haven't held that in confidence yeah and so we pull back But that's not actually the imitation. If we pull back based upon other people, we're again coming back to this place of Egypt, this place of slavery, this place of condemnation, this place of oppression. Rather than going back into that group and saying, hey, I I, I said that in confidence to you, and dealing with that in that group, dealing with those friendships, confessing what's going on. I want to trust this group so that I can live in this freedom of repentance. Wouldn't we like that? Doesn't our world need that? I need that. So to have that place where we can go, you know what I mucked up this week. I know I've been really struggling with this. So I appreciate. Okay, so what, what were the things? What were the triggers? What happened for you around that? Let's pray into that. Jesus, 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 <laughs> come Holy Spirit. That's hard. But I believe and increasingly believe that actually that would give more life to us wandering around in half secret lives. Because I know wandering around our own heads, feeling like failures, isn't that easy either, is it? Have you noticed that? Comparing ourselves to, because everyone else, you know, everyone else has got their life together, haven't they? You know, Simon's got his life together. Why can't my life be like his? <laughs> Ah, oh, well, got to come, into, I'll come and sit with me. I'll tell you what's going through my head every now and then. So, all right. <clears throat> um, and in this, John points, so we get through the baptism. Uh, and John says, After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and you untie. I baptise you with water, but he will baptise you with the Holy Spirit. And at this stage, we don't even really know what that looks like. I'm sure even people were coming, what does that mean? Well, that's okay. That's okay. We think we know because we've read a few of experiences, but I don't think we've really opened ourselves up as a modern church. We've kind of closed ourselves off a little bit. Not everyone. It's a very general statement. I appreciate that. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Um, just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn up open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. So we begin to get a picture of the Spirit working. We get a, begin to get a picture of what looks to be baptized by the Holy Spirit. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. John points to the one who is to come. But what's interesting about this is that actually it was Jesus who joined people in the wilderness. I'm not sure if you quite got that. Jesus came to the people in their wilderness. And he was baptised with them to move through their wilderness experience. Already. Already. The one without sin, the one who had nothing to confess, the one who had nothing to repent from, participated in laying down his life. Have you had your pot stirred yet? Come Holy Spirit for this, not just today, but for this year. Jesus identifies with our need for relationship. Relationship. And he participates in it before he was even asked to by you or I or anyone else in this crowd. Come on now. And this is a beautiful moment. I read this and it takes my breath away. You are my son. You are my son and with you I am well pleased. And maybe you need to hear that in your wilderness experience. You've tried so hard to measure up. You've tried so hard to do all the right things. You've tried so hard to look good, to be good to whatever else it is and this is i don't know what's happened you know jesus has lived with joseph and mary he's worked we assume all those things but his heavenly father his creator actually calls him his son and tells him how much he loves him how pleased he is with him before one miracle before one message before one healing before one act of service god says to jesus you are my son I am pleased with you. And maybe that's what you need to hear in your wilderness experience today. You are my son. You are my daughter. I know you've fought. I know you've wrestled. I know you've argued. I know you've tried. Just, you're my son. You're my daughter. I'm pleased with you. Jesus lives out of the love, serves out of his compassion, uh, serves and has compassion and teaches out of the love of his Father. And that's the starting point. That is the starting point to following Jesus, to accept that you are loved. Repentance isn't about comparison. It isn't about capacity. It is about responding to the love of the Father. Because in that place, we know that we can confess our sins and know that we are safe. In that place, we can step out of our slavery and our oppression and our bondage and walk through the waters and know that we can walk into freedom. And the imitation of the crowds, the response of Jesus is our invitation. And in fact, we will find this all year. And we will ask this question more than once. How will you respond? Because it demands a response. It demands a shift, a realignment, an about-face. Because otherwise it's just going through the motions for the sake of it. My hope and our prayer, our, our hope and our prayer in this year is that we might have our Um, understanding of what it means to follow Jesus reignited or ignited for the first time. And as our team come up and, and lead us in our final song, the invitation's always there you can come forward, and you can receive prayer, we can have a conversation. Or if it's not with myself or uh, Jared or one of the ministry team, uh, Linda went, uh, went back from holidays when she gets back. Or, uh, but go to a friend, go to someone you trust and go and sit with them and say, help me understand more of what this means. And if you're that friend and you don't know, that's okay. Just sit with that person and say, hey, well, all right, what does it look like to walk through this for this year? How can I walk with you? Answer from your own experience. No one can deny your own experiences. Some of you are more capable of proclaiming the good news, being the one who points to Jesus, than you give yourself credit for. All of us are more capable of doing that when we come out of that place where we recognise that we are the sons and the daughters of God with whom he is well pleased.